0: Welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV. And today, I am joined here with Calvin for Episode 1 on the 17th of February 2020. Calvin, how are you, mate?
1: I'm very well, very well. Good to be cracking into this thing. Keen to get going. How are very you? Cool.
0: Very cool. I'm doing good, mate. Doing very good. Obviously, on, on baby watch at the moment with my wife, heavily pregnant, and uh, I mean, we're not do too much in the weekends, but how's your weekend? You get up to too much?
1: Uh, not a lot pretty standard for us uh yeah the kids are kids are not exactly playing ball or sleeping at the moment so our weekends are um yeah all about trying to stay calm and and collected and catch up on that sleep so yeah no, it was it was pretty standard
0: what's the latest on your house mate i know you're obviously in the market at the moment
1: yeah yeah uh, so hopefully go unconditional tomorrow it was supposed to be supposed to be last week but um yeah you know things happen with house sales and People want to dot the I's and cross the Ts, so so yeah. Hopefully tomorrow, it's it kind of keeps you on tender hooks a bit, but um, yeah, hopefully tomorrow, and then uh, you know, on to the next bigger and brighter thing, I guess.
0: And uh, confident of a decent price for your place, how are you, how are you feeling about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, around where I live, around I mean, it's a good good anecdote for for sort of the Greater Christchurch market, I guess. I live out in Selwyn, obviously a lot of construction, and um, yeah, properties are sitting on the market for a little bit of time, so. Um, yeah, That's why we came to get started early and, and, and get this process kicked off, you know, because it could take some time. Um, but I think we've got a pretty good price, pretty happy with what we got. And I suppose it shows that if you price realistically, you know, sound like a bit of a bit like an estate agent here, but if you price realistically, then you know, there's always a buyer out there, and, and that's what we did. So, um, yeah, even with all that new supply stuff's turning over. So, um, yeah.
0: Now sounds good mate so well, good luck for tomorrow anyway. Um yeah look I suppose
1: good luck with the uh good luck with the upcoming uh, birth, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah hopefully a few more days yet I reckon. <laughs> so um like I suppose in terms of the plan for today, you know we'll go over Major data releases that we've seen in the last week, any other sort of stories and things that we've seen or been talking about, um, and then look forward to next week before sort of giving a few ideas for how people can get in touch with us so let's get into it then I suppose one of the biggest things for last week was of course reserve Bank their six weekly uh, OCR review and also the monetary policy statement at the same time. What did you, What did you sort of pick up from that that statement last week?
1: Yeah, I suppose a couple of things for me um, surprisingly positive view on the economy, you know, with all these things going on, I suppose there's time issues around when they prepare these statements, but, uh, yeah, pretty positive view on the economy, you know, GDP is supposed to stay up, pretty, or that growth is supposed to stay pretty steady, and labour market staying strong, and, and so things that, I, I guess people were expecting a little bit of a toning down on some of those views, so they stayed pretty positive, actually, and um, they're so consistent with that, didn't didn't change the cash rate, kept it, kept it at 1%, so... Um, yeah it all it all sort of made sense but then you've got these things lingering in the background around um obviously the coronavirus which as i said timing of these reports might not have um you know might not have been able to fully factor that in but yeah there's it there was a some interesting contrast there and i guess they but they were uh you know pretty quick to stress that if coronavirus turns out uh worse than it already is then um you know they, they stand ready to to cut rates so um yeah on the whole reasonably positive and 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 with flat rates but you know chance of of cuts coming up if that corona gets a bit worse um so yeah that was my take anything else you sort of picked out of it
0: i just remember you mentioned on uh on the day itself that you were surprised not to see almost any mention of the housing price uh, or housing market itself in that statement
1: yeah that was the other thing yeah and and um i mean we're reading it at the desk and and yeah, it's like, whoa, gee, what's going on here? The, the, the housing market's such a crucial part of the economy at the moment, and and sort of that pick-up, everyone's wondering, you know, how is that going to feed through to uh, to house, I mean, to sort of consumer spending and, and therefore GDP, and, and how monetary policy might react to that. So yeah, it was interesting that that, that didn't get flagged up, and uh, some other people around the traps, LinkedIn and on various social media were, were sort of highlighting that as well. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Um it's hard to believe that it would have been an oversight. Um whether there was some un- uh underlying reason why they decided not to not to refer to the housing market. But yeah, it doesn't really make much difference oh. in the
0: I wonder yeah, I wonder if there wasn't all that much new or different data for them, so it didn't warrant too much of an issue. Could we know we've sort of seen that strength towards the end of last year in terms of values going up, increasing of lending data as well. And of course, that has continued from the most recent data from Reserve Bank. So maybe it was just, yeah, but it's the same we've seen. So no need to give it too much airtime. But of course, it's a continued, you know. Point for consideration from them. The other thing I suppose that, you know, that in the lead up to the OCR, it's always interesting, you know, it's the, the guessing game everyone goes through is what are they going to do with the OCR and what are the potential reasons they might drop or do otherwise. And I think the key thing was, of course, that that caution around the coronavirus and whether the Reserve Bank pre preebs any impact that it might have. So clearly weren't too worried at that stage. As you say, a little bit of timing issues there in terms of when they have to have everything ready but certainly as you say they've got that availability to drop that if they need to if it does get worse and we do see a ban for a longer period of time in terms of traveling um, or there is a, a more significant impact to our GDP so I suppose as you say another wait and see from them pretty conservative um always got that up their sleeve if they need to.
1: Yeah and I think with the housing market as well bear in mind that um yeah, this this whole that whole statements around interest rates and monetary policy and that they're probably not going to if they do anything to target the housing market from now on it's probably going to be around those LVR rules um, so they've almost got you know a, an, an expanded toolkit now to, to to deal with things more specifically you know the interest rates always been a little bit of a a little bit of a blunt tool for the housing market because you know you might uh, stick up interest rates to, to choke off a housing market up to them, but in the meantime you harm a whole lot of other stuff in the economy so um, you yeah, know to have that targeted tool to get at the housing market now with with LVRs maybe that's what uh, they start to think about rather than you know the OCR so yeah that's taken around in the background as well.
0: Ah, Cool very interesting um, certainly as you say one to watch and I think Reserve Bank when we're looking for everything for 2020 they are of course one of the key influences of the market so always looking out their their statements and their releases so really interesting one. Now, from our own perspective, from our data, of course, we had our um, latest bioclassification classification data for January came out uh, last week, which you wrote a little market pulse on. What were sort of the main points you took from that one?
1: Oh, again, probably two or three main things. Really, the the first thing was this uh, this rise in. Um, for mortgaged investors that we saw towards the end of last year, both in terms of uh, percentage transactions and just the number of deals, you know, that they're just making more purchases that that kind of kicked off around August, September last year, and that's continued on into into January. So uh the the share of transactions going to Mortgage investors about twenty five percent, and um, that's up from kind of twenty, twenty one, twenty two, uh, perhaps six months ago. So there has been there's been this this upturn from from that group of buyers, and there's a few things going on. I mean, the capital gains tax um, proposals being scrapped around about the middle of last year seems to have kind of unleashed a bit of that confidence again. But but also just look at I mean, what else are they going to stick their money in? Term deposit rates. At, I was looking the other day at kind of two and a half percent. Um, you know pretty pretty poor, and um, if you 're looking around the country in terms of gross rental yields on property, you know you can get a lot better than that in, in many parts of the country, so you know not not hard to understand why why that trend would be going on um, and I guess the second main thing is that there 's a few areas where not saying that investors are driving out first home buyers necessarily, but it, there have been some areas including uh, we flagged out in Palmerston North, and Wellington City where those mortgaged investors have come back pretty strongly. And at the same time, first home buyers have just shown signs of struggling a little bit. So, um, you know, as I say, not not saying that investors are driving out first home buyers, but there is a, there is a um, correlation going on there and it's happening at the same time. So interesting things. And I think probably in the end, a lot of it just comes back to affordability pressures that old that old chestnut of um stuff getting harder for first home buyers less equity it's just those price rises are starting to you know make them feel the pinch i guess and yeah it'd be an interesting issue for well for local government in those areas and, and central government over the next um certainly six, seven months leading up to the election so yeah there's some interesting things going on around that and we'll be we'll be monitoring as we go um, anything else you got out of it or
0: and I think your point around, you know, those first home buyers struggling in some of those areas. As you say, to me, there's been strong price growth for a long period of time. That is going to impact affordability. So it depends really what's happening at the banks. And we know that, you know, there've been, you know, obviously those serviceability tests have reduced and that's helped out some first home buyers, but maybe that growth that's just continued on has been that they've started to, started to impact those first home buyers and maybe they're having to look further from town or whatever and that's why I might not see them quite as active in somewhere like Wellington City. So yeah, no, but I think as you say you know, all our previews for 2020, we were talking about the strength of mortgage investors and whether it would be their year, um, and not so much 1st home buyers who so really have had a pretty good time over the last couple of years, um, in all honesty.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We, I mean, as we talked about in our research, it's been the sort of, I don't know, year or two, the year of the 1st home buyer, and, and you know, 2020 may now be shaping up as perhaps the year of the investor, to use yeah. that sort of uh, cliche, and as I say, whether how how government starts to feel about that, you know, particularly given the emphasis that this government's had on on helping first home buyers and building more properties and getting more people into the market to have uh, probably just at the wrong time from their point of view to have to have investors coming back in. It's going to be an interesting. It's interesting to see how that issue
0: plays out. Totally agree, and um, I think what the other part of it is talking about that Wellington City, and certainly obviously that's where I'm based, and you know, lots of discussions even in the first first month and a half of this year talking to brokers and agents and even friends and family when I'm out and about talking about what's going on in the market and that Wellington City market is going pretty strong at the moment. Certainly doesn't seem to be any anecdotal you know, discussion about it being only investors, of course. It's it is a mix of different types of buyers, but competition remains strong and, and certainly the feedback is people taking advantage of that availability of money. Certainly they're feeling pretty good about their financial situation. So they're going and extending their mortgages, borrowing money, getting those first homes and, and acting in the market. So that's that sort of backs that that activity up as well that I'm hearing pretty regularly now from a lot of people around Wellington. So it is a it is an interesting market to keep a hold of as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and and I mean, diff- where where I live, as I said, down in down in Canterbury, it's different market dynamics with that that supply going on, uh, all that new construction going on around Greater area. But um, yeah, you know, there's we've we've seen this this pick we've seen in, in property values um, around the country in the last few months, e- even signs that it's it's spread to Canterbury. So it does suggest that uh, there's there's some. Genuine demand coming back, even despite those affordability pressures, and um, I guess the difference around here is that there's there's choice for buyers as opposed to, say, Wellington, Dunedin, and all these other markets where prices are rising really, really strongly. Uh, there's just not much choice in those markets. So, and yeah, we've got all could... sorts, all sorts at the moment.
0: Also constrained by land, right? So, you know, you look at Auckland, Wellington City, Dunedin, all built with, you know, really restrictive land, you know, either on the isthmus in Auckland or you've got all these hills and stuff in Wellington, whereas Christchurch in the wider, wider region just doesn't have that problem. You can build anywhere and everywhere you like. So definitely has probably haven't had that influence over the last few years. We haven't seen that growth in the, in the prices because that land availability is so much greater in the, in the Canterbury region. On the um, affordability thing, just reminds me of the fact that we did that uh, brief interview with News Talk ZB last week. Of course, there was some some data out last week in Australia talking about the wealth of people who have a mortgage when they get to retirement compared to those that are renting, and of course, we had a quick discussion with Kate Hawksby on Newstalk ZB about that one, and, and it was really interesting, and I think, you know, again, it brings up this point of affordability being such a crucial thing for this year, no doubt going to play a big part in both, all the parties' discussions as they try and lobby to get, you know, the vote in the general election in September this year. And the key thing I think we had to talk about was, yes, of course, the fact that people can get a mortgage to increase their wealth, you start to leverage against that wealth. That's how people have been doing that for so, so long now, and not everyone can do that in the in the future. And so one of the points I made um, on the interview was to talk about, you know, we've got to start looking at these other options for, for investments so it's not always going to be about property if you're looking to retire you want some wealth at the moment most people think the only way to do that is to own property in your retirement so I think the challenge to the government is to think how can we start to balance this out to to get people investing in other things get back in the stock market different type of managed funds um, the likes of the shares these in the hatch and the things as well so there's different options out there but they're just not seen as quite as attractive as property markets so whether that changes whether the different generations can start to take that on board certainly one to watch out for or, um, as, as you know, we get that retiring population and, and new people coming into the market that just cannot buy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And also, uh, there's, this, there's this ingrained um, psychology thing going on, certainly in New Zealand, lots of other countries, Australia, the, the UK. I guess the, the sort of you know, anglicised world um, that, as you say, home ownership's the only way to wealth. Now, there's, there's a lot of countries around the world where renting is, is the dominant. Tenure in the property market. Uh, I always come back to Germany in this in this sort of discussion. Um, and most people in Germany rent, and uh, you'd hardly say that Germany is a you know poor um, sort of dysfunctional country. So it's it's not always the case that that becoming wealthy is done through you know owning your home and then paying off your mortgage. As long as you're sensible with perhaps you rent and your, and your monthly outgoings are lower. As long as you're sensible with the difference, and and perhaps you put it into some of these these share schemes or small businesses, whatever the option may be, it's 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 just as a legitimate option as home ownership. So um,
0: yeah, always two sides to every story. It's always that discipline, A, whether you can save the difference between your rent and what you would be paying on a mortgage, and people just don't seem to have the discipline to do that, whereas a mortgage is forced savings, essentially it's forced money going somewhere towards some form of asset, and that's, that's one of the key benefits, I guess, you know, and I mean, sticking on affordability really or on on wider politics things there was the Helen Clark Foundation report out last week um, I don't know if you caught too much of that one but certainly you know from a high level again it was proposing many of the things we've heard before we need a more comprehensive capital gains tax um, we need to look at the rental, side of things as well, and, and really just reiterated all these points that the market as it currently is, is not going to survive, we're not going to be able to support new entrants to the market unless something significant changes, and the key question is, does do any of the, the politicians have you know, the, the ability or the, the willingness to actually change anything too major? Did you, did you get a chance to look at that report too much?
1: Not a lot. I, I, I caught the headlines around, yeah, just the, the the old chestnut of capital gains tax coming back onto the table. Um, so yeah, that was that was my main takeaway. I suppose more generally around politics, we've seen just in the last day or so, Simon Bridges getting back into the into the fray with um, some housing market related things. So all these all these issues that come up every election, like capital gains tax, that's come back via. By the Helen Clark report, um, but then Simon Bridges has started talking again about uh, the ring fencing for, for property investors. He's proposing that that could be reversed. Um, also, the foreign buyer ban that Labor's brought in potentially reversing that as well. So, yeah, I think we're definitely starting to see the the electioneering coming back into to politics, and and you know, housing markets clearly at the forefront of that. As we said earlier, perhaps you know, affordability is all tied up in there, and that's going to be a you know, pretty hot topic for the next six seven months.
0: Totally agree. All right, mate. Well, um, thinking about what's coming up in the future, then we've probably got the Ryan's uh, sales volumes figures that we generally track quite quite closely. That's coming out tomorrow, I think, along with the house price index.
1: Yep, yep, that's due out tomorrow, according to according to my trusty LinkedIn. So, so yeah, be looking to see what's uh, obviously what's of of interest in there. The the trend from last month is very much stronger. So they had a had a really strong end to the year for sales activity, days to sell, starting to turn. So uh, especially in Auckland. Now Auckland's kind of been the, the, drag on the market, and now it seems to have switched to be a a, a driver. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's continued on into January. Bearing in mind that you know January is always a, a quieter month, so so you, you do have to keep that in mind with um, interpreting the figures. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And, and I think probably even if January is isn't as strong because of those seasonal things, we'll, we'll start to see that that um, strength become clearer as we get into February March.
0: And I think, you know, we'll talk about it in detail next week, but our, our word of caution with the, uh, the Ryan's release all the time is to watch out for those median sale prices, the change in median sale price that aren't always as useful. We look to look at the index, we like to look at the sales volumes, and as you said, the days to sell. So I'm sure we'll cover that in more detail next week. But otherwise, this week, economic releases, we're looking at net migration. What day is that out?
1: Net migration's out, uh, well... By the time this goes out, net migration might have already been released. So net migration is 10:45 Monday morning. Um, so yeah, been interesting to see what goes on there as well. It's been a, a difficult series to interpret lately because of the, the revisions that StatsNZ have been making. It's um, can vary in terms of the annual net migration inflows by up to 10,000 a month. So you know, one month they might say it's 55. Next month they said, oh, hang on, no, it was actually only 45. So a little bit difficult to interpret, but whether it's 45 or 55 or 40, whatever the number is, it's still a lot higher than it has been. And you know, historically you've looked at an average of maybe 10,000 a year. So um, we're still getting a lot of people and uh, that's that's definitely providing a boost to the housing market and keeping those transactions going and, and, and keeping prices up. So so yeah, I, I suspect, um, as I say, caution around the revisions, but I suspect it will still be relatively high and, and we'll be adding to those housing pressures.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Alright mate, well I think we've um, we've covered a lot already in, in episode one. So I think it's probably time for us to, to wrap up for the day. No doubt no, we'll go into plenty of detail over the coming months. So look just for us to say thanks for listening, please subscribe to the overall podcast, rate us, review us, and if you do have any questions as well, we're keen to get a little questions, uh, question and answer section going in this. So comments on Twitter. Um, I'm available Nick Goodall underscore CL and Calvin's K Davidson underscore CL, or you could also give us an email if you do have any other- Feedback or or questions that you'd like us to answer, Nick.Guru at CoreLogic.co.nz and Calvin.Davidson at CoreLogic.co.nz. So, all right, Calvin, well, uh, thanks for your time once again, mate, and we will talk to you later on, no doubt, and have a good week. Thanks for listening. Please hit that subscribe button and we'll speak to you next week. Catch ya.